like to turn to a verse in Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. There are a number of places in the New Testament where you see the word learn. Learn is a word related to education. In Hebrews 5, we read that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Did Jesus have to learn something? As one who has been Almighty God for eternity, have to learn something? Yes, when he became a man. Because in heaven, God never obeys anyone. He gives orders. So there was no possibility of learning obedience in heaven. He had to become a man. And when he became a man, he not only learned obedience to God, it says he learned obedience when obedience meant suffering. Like he had to listen to Joseph and Mary. Thirty years. It involved a lot of suffering. And he had to obey God when it meant dying on the cross and many other things like that, which meant suffering. There was no possibility of learning obedience through suffering in heaven because there is no suffering in heaven. And I want to say to all of you, my brothers and sisters, there are certain things you can only learn on earth which you cannot learn in heaven. If you missed your education on earth, you've missed it for eternity. There are a lot of other things we can learn in heaven. For example, you can learn in heaven how to worship, how to love God better, and many, many things. You can even learn how to serve Him. But you can't learn how to obey when you have to suffer for it in heaven. Because that is not one of the subjects there. There's a lot of education in heaven, in all eternity, but one of the subjects is not obedience through suffering. That is a course which is given only on earth. Even Jesus had to come to earth to learn it. And so those of us who try to avoid suffering on earth because obedience becomes costly, I just want to tell you, I mean, I can't change your mind, but I can warn you that you're losing opportunities to get an education which you'll never get in eternity. Another thing we can learn only on earth is what Paul says here in Philippians 4 verse 11. In the middle of that verse, he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to, let me read the Living Bible, how to live on almost nothing. And I also know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. Whether it be a full stomach or hunger plenty or want because I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. He says in verse 11, I've learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. You cannot learn that in heaven. You cannot learn in heaven how to get along happily with much or little. You cannot learn the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want. Only one half of that you can learn in heaven, a full stomach, how to be happy on a full stomach, how to be happy with plenty. The other half of the education you cannot get in heaven. You know, it's like a dosa or a pancake only fried on one side and the other side is raw. That's how we'll be. 
if we have not been turned over and not learned how to be happy when we have plenty how to be happy when we have little how to be happy when our stomach is full how to be happy when the stomach is empty how to be happy when you get what you want how to be happy when you don't get what you want how to be happy when your prayers are answered how to be happy when your prayers are not answered everything there's another side of us which has to be fried properly if we are to be bread fit for god uh, which can only happen on earth and i think of lots and lots of lots of people who are missing a very valuable part of their education which they can never never get this course is not offered in heaven please remember this brothers and sisters this course is not offered in heaven to learn to be content whatever my circumstances the opposite of that is to have no complaints at all philippians 2 verse 14 do all things without grumbling or complaining or disputing that's the opposite of learning to be content in all situations now the reason why we are content is because we live by faith the righteous man lives by faith you know that verse living by faith we have taught often in this church is not for full time workers that is a wrong concept that christendom has when a man says i live by faith what do you mean live by faith everybody is supposed to live by faith the bible says four times in the bible three times in the new testament once in habakkuk the righteous will live by faith when i live by faith i'm saying i trust that god has ordained my circumstances and if god has ordained my circumstances i am content see peter was not content in gethsemane with the circumstances god had ordered of the roman soldiers coming to capture jesus so he fought against those circumstances and jesus said no peter put your sword back we must be content with our circumstances the cup which my father has given me shall i not drink it how could jesus say that because he lived by faith <clears throat> he lived by faith which meant that he believed that a father in heaven a loving father in heaven had planned and ordered all the circumstances of his life so he would not fight against those circumstances with sword or even with words he would say to the roman soldiers whom are you seeking they said jesus of nazareth he says i am he <clears throat> take me and let these people go their way see that's the man of faith does not want other people to suffer remember that the man of faith does not want other people to suffer jesus in gethsemane said if you're seeking me seek me and let these people go peter when the lord told peter you are going to suffer you're going to die you're going to stretch out your hands and die when you're an old man looks around at john and says what about him that's not living by faith that's the opposite of jesus if i suffer he should suffer too no the man of faith accepts his difficult circumstances and rejoices in the comfortable circumstances of another person can you do that then you have learned can contentment when you can rejoice to see somebody else having more money than you a better job than you a better house than you a better wife than you better children than you better everything than you maybe he's built a house and you're still living in a rented house the man of faith says fine the man who lives in unbelief 
and who believes God did not order my circumstances and God did not order his circumstances will always seek to find some fault in that other person of whom he is jealous the man who lives by faith is perfectly content with the gift God has given him in the body he is not jealous of another person who's got a better gift or another gift he's perfectly happy with his gift and he exercises his gift and deeply rejoices appreciates and values and rejoices in the gift God has given to somebody else so contentment is the secret of many many things and this is a very very important area because the first sin that was committed in this universe the sin of lucifer was we can say basically committed because he was discontent with his circumstances he thought he could make his circumstances better than what god had made it god had made his circumstances excellent as ezekiel 28 says he was in the garden of eden he was in the garden of eden years before adam ever came there and he was uh the highest of the angels he was gifted musically he was very attractive very good looking the most intelligent of all created beings even today even today the most intelligent of all created beings and uh, very clever full of wisdom perfect in beauty even then he was not happy teaching us that even if you become the most powerful leader in the world the most beautiful person in the world the richest person in the world the most musical person in the world all this the devil was you will still not be happy and one of the things god wants to prove to the devil and that's why he allows his children to suffer please understand this is that i can produce a race of people on this earth god says who will be perfectly content even when they don't have all these things that's why god didn't make everybody equally intelligent that's why he didn't make you so intelligent the most intelligent people in the world are not believers the people of the highest intelligence in the world today they're not children of god they're not believers the most beautiful most good looking people in the world are not believers the richest people in the world they're not believers the people in the highest positions and have accomplished great feats in science are not believers nobel prize winners are not usually believers there may be the odd believer among them but they're not usually believers even those who won win the peace prize are not believers mostly these things mean nothing god has not made his children great in the eyes of the world because he's trying to prove something to satan then even if i make my some of my children little dumb and stupid they'll be content they will not be jealous of the man who is more intelligent and even if i give some of my children very small houses to live in they'll be content they will not compare themselves with someone who has more than them have you noticed one thing brothers and sisters that the devil always makes you compare yourself with somebody who has more than you have you ever found the devil making you compare yourself with somebody who has less than you if you have a house you're always wishing you had a house like the other person who's got a bigger house than you you never walk through the slums and compare yourself with them never you never compare your children with the children of those who are in the slums do you ever do that no you compare your children with other children who are smarter than them or more good looking than them that makes you jealous and then you try to tear down 
those other children with your words that shows uh, please don't get offended but this is the truth you are saturated with the devil saturated with satan no matter what religious language you use i'm sorry to say it but it's true you'll never hear the truth like you hear it here you'll get a correct scan of your condition jealousy is 100% 100% i wish i could say 200% of the devil there's not even an atom of god in it it's a, it comes out from a discontented heart that does not live by faith that god has ordained my circumstances God determined the level of intelligence in my children God determined whether my child should be retarded or not God determined the color of skin of my children I have no complaints can you honestly say you have no complaints can you honestly say as you look into a mirror that you have no complaints about the color of your skin or your height or your size not only your height your length and breadth also you have no complaints in any dimension god determined everything perfectly you are thankful to be content is a very very important thing my brothers and sisters very very important far more important than you think it is it's not a weakness it's an evil is the evil which made the most beautiful of all created beings into a devil in a moment and it will make anybody into a devil today i have to learn to be content it's an education when we are born into the world we don't have it little children that are born into the world they don't even know abc they don't know multiplication but they learn it and we are very eager that our children should learn they should not remain in the same condition they came into the world none of us want our children to remain in the same condition they were born into the world we want them to get an education in the same way god wants us to learn as a heavenly father he wants us to learn contentment it's more important than getting a degree to learn contentment whatever your circumstances he says i've learned how to be plenty how to have plenty and how to be how to have little in the old testament in the book of proverbs we read these words proverbs in chapter 30 one of the prayers that this man agur proverbs 30 we read in verse 1 is written by a man called agur the son of jake i don't know who he was but he prayed a good prayer for the old testament but which is not a good prayer for the new testament he prayed in the middle of verse 8 give me neither poverty nor riches don't give me too little lord and don't give me too much a lot of believers pray that prayer because they haven't understood the new covenant feed me with food that is my portion because if i have plenty i may deny you lord and say who is the lord and if i am in want i may steal and profane the name of my god How is it with Jesus? Supposing you gave Jesus a million rupees, would he be in danger of saying, "Oh, who's the father?" <laughs> Never. Even Paul was not in that danger. Even if you gave him ten million rupees, Paul wouldn't say, "Oh, who's the who's God?" He would never say it. And supposing you gave Jesus zero, like he had in the wilderness, forty days without food, would he steal? No. he would rather die than steal 
What about Paul? He would also rather die than steal. But this man says, when I am in want, I may steal. Is that old covenant or new covenant? You know the answer. This man says, if I have plenty, I'll forget about God. I can show you lots of people on earth today. Wholehearted believers who have plenty and who don't forget about God. And who have want. Plenty of, I mean who have a lot of want in their life. Needs. And who never steal. This is not a new covenant prayer. Just for your information. In the new covenant it's what we read in Philippians 4. Whether I have plenty or have nothing. I'm content. Because I live by faith that a sovereign father in heaven. Has determined my lot in life. He has drawn the boundaries around me. And he has made me exactly like I am to be. This is so, so very important. And if we were to start at the beginning, we'd have to turn, it, turn to Psalm 139. Because we all began in our mother's womb. And David says in Psalm 139 and verse 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. I want to read in the Living Bible. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And you were there, Lord, when I was being formed in my mother's womb in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled every day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. So, particularly if you're a child of God, as David was, we can say, Lord, I accepted you as my Savior, maybe when I was 20, 30 or whatever it is. But you knew, even when I was in my mother's womb, that I was one of those potential children of God, who's one day, though after a wayward life, come back to you. You knew that. And knowing that, you formed me in my mother's womb. You formed my face, my skin, my inner parts. You formed my brain, my intelligence. You gave me natural gifts, even at that time, which would equip me to be a member of the body of Christ. You determined at that time whether I should be male or female, man or woman, boy or girl. You determined it because maybe you wanted a girl to fulfill a function in the body of Christ. That's why you made you a girl. Or he wanted a boy to fulfill a function in the body of Christ. That's why he made you a boy. He, he wanted a fisherman. Not very educated, but very hardworking. So he made a Peter. He wanted a scholar who could teach the word. So he made a Paul. Equip them from the mother's womb with abilities to be fishermen or abilities to be scholars. That was God. When you live by faith, you have no complaints. Whether he made you a fisherman or a scholar. Whether he allowed you to be born in a poor home like Peter and Andrew. Or in a slightly wealthier home like James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Who, I don't know whether you noticed it, it says Peter and Andrew were fishing themselves. But James and John were fishing with their servants. They were a little richer. And they came to the... Uh, gate of the high priest John could go in Peter couldn't there was a difference in their social level but God determined that all were apostles but God determined that Peter should be a little lower than some of the others and 
Paul was of course the son of a very rich businessman in Tarsus tremendously wealthy family grew up with comforts and everything else god determined all that and it's just the same today he determined a particular task for peter a particular task for paul and from birth they were given that type of task he allowed paul to grow up to murder christians isn't that amazing think if god had you to think if jesus had appeared to paul when he was much younger paul was born by the way when jesus was in nazareth i don't know where he was whether he was in tarsus or gamaliel school wherever he was jesus was there he had never seen him but he was born and supposing jesus had revealed himself to paul when paul was 18 or something like that surely could have been done god could have arranged circumstances but he didn't paul would not have been a murderer if jesus had revealed himself to him when he was 18 but he revealed himself to paul maybe when he was around 30 by the time he had already murdered and done all types of things persecuted christians and when we look at our lives you and i we find that the lord brought us to himself sometimes after we have made a mess of our lives he knew that and then he allowed that with a purpose i think in paul's case one of the purposes was so that all through his life all through his life till the end of his life he would remember that he was the chief of sinners that jesus did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance i believe that none of the disciples were fit other than peter no one was fit to give that message on the day of pentecost because nobody could have handled that much of blessing and remained humble other than peter think if you went somewhere to preach i'm not talking about some mature 70 year old man who's walked with god for so many years some young fellow like you 30 years old walked with god for 3 years that's peter and you go somewhere to preach completely heathen people all heathen no nominal christians nothing and from that heathen crowd in one message 15 minute message 3000 people are converted i think your head will not be the same size after that and they got baptized and not only that all 3000 are baptized in the holy spirit also boy i don't know how many of you will be able to manage that why even if two people were converted i don't know whether we would be able to manage it leave alone 3000 you know what a tremendous thing it was to have 3000 people saved baptized in water baptized in the holy spirit all in the same day and remain humble at the end of it who could manage it none of the apostles you know why because none of them had fallen so low as peter his failure was part of his education he was the only man fit to stand there because it could not go to his head when satan would come to him and whisper to him boy peter what you have accomplished man you say i know what i did 6 weeks ago i haven't forgotten that i denied the lord denied the lord i pretended as though i didn't even know jesus i loved my own life i was scared this has got nothing to do with me and then i backslid i said i'll never again be an apostle i'll go back to fishing and from there the lord called me and when i caught all that fish and i began to get interested in the fish and thought i could make a lot of money fishing because i caught 153 fish in one day 
the lord said no you got to love me more than these fish and he pulled me out from all that and that's why i'm here today it's got nothing to do with me that was the only man fit to serve the lord on the day of pentecost it's not the person you think is fit to serve the lord who is fit to serve the lord you may think you're fit to serve the lord but you're pretty conceited even if you bring one soul to christ you can't stand it god doesn't want you to go to hell he does not want you to go to hell so he doesn't bless you because blessing you can't stand blessing it's one of the most difficult things for god to do is to bless a person for the man to remain humble but the man who has learned contentment in whatever state he has no problem who is content with his gift content with his circumstances who is not jealous of anybody else who lives by faith that god has arranged my circumstances god wove me in my mother's womb and gave me certain gifts and abilities i want to show you another verse in acts of the apostles chapter 17 acts of the apostles chapter 17 after we come out of our mother's womb and we are grown up and we decide to get married somewhere we decide to live somewhere it says here in acts 17 verse 26 god made one every, from one every nation of mankind that means from adam to live on all the face of the earth and listen to this god determined which time in history they should live whether you should be born in the 20th century or the 15th century do you know god determined that are you thankful you were born in the 20th century not in the 15th century oh i'm deeply thankful i may not have even been saved there'd be no cfc in 15th century that's for sure and he also determined which country they should be born in and not only which country which town which village which house which family the boundaries of their habitation so there are two things it says here god determined the time i should be born and the place i should be born the time i should live in and the place i should live in was determined by god <clears throat> therefore <clears throat> you should have no complaints about the year of your birth i don't think any of us have any complaint about the year of our birth we are pretty glad that we were not born 300 years ago when there was no electricity no running water no proper toilets we had to go into the bushes i'm sure you're happy that it's not like that these days now these things which make our life comfortable we usually have no complaint about uh but other things what about the circumstances of our birth the family you were born into if you got a complaint against god that he didn't allow you to be born in a richer family you know when jesus from heaven for thousands of years thousands of years he was planning his own birth which family shall i come into and he sees the whole future remember that and he chooses a poor carpenter's family where he won't have a room to himself if he had chosen a rich king's family he would have had a room to himself how many of you will choose a house where you can have a room to yourself and instead of that choose a house where you don't have a room to yourself i mean if we had a choice we'd do things differently jesus had a choice and he chose a home where he would have no room to himself where he would struggle to live because he did not come to earth to live comfortably he came to earth to save people and in order to understand people he had to live like them in order to understand poor people he had to live like poor people i remember more than 
about 35 or 30 something years ago. I was, <clears throat> I remember it very so vividly. I was in Ahmedabad in Gujarat having some meetings for students. And I suddenly had to go and change my ticket because I had to, I was not married those days. I had to come back home. My dad was going for an operation and I had to rush back. And I had to change my ticket in the middle of two sessions. I had to go and change my ticket and I didn't want some, to ask somebody else to do it because he would have to miss that session. I said, I'll go. And I went myself and I prayed as I went. Lord, please let the queue be a very short one so that I can quickly change my ticket and come back. And when I went to that railway station, I've never seen such a queue anywhere in my life. It was outside the station. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> well, standing in the sun. <clears throat> and I didn't even, I forgot to take a cap or whatever it is. <clears throat> and as I was standing in that queue, I said, Lord, why? I mean, if ever there was a time you should have answered my prayer, it was now. Because I'm in a rush. And I haven't come here to make money. I've come here to serve you for your work. And I'll never forget in all these 35 years what the Lord spoke to my heart. He said that if you avoid all the suffering that your fellow countrymen go through, you'll never be able to minister to them effectively. I said, thank you, Lord. I have never forgotten that word. And so, I have learned to be content when there are long queues. I've learned to be content sitting on the floor of crowded, unreserved, second-class compartments, traveling somewhere to preach the gospel. I've learned to be content when people made reservations for me and forgot to make reservations for me and I couldn't get a berth. I've learned to be content no matter what. And I found that's helped me in my ministry. I think I, I told you once how 22 years ago I was invited to speak in a large convention and they got offended with me after two days. They didn't want me to speak the third day. They told me, we, we are offended. We don't want you to speak the third day. I said, okay, praise the Lord. So I sat on the platform the third day and kept quiet. Yeah, there was, they got some, the other fellow, some American preacher to speak. And then at the end, that was the end of the convention. And they would not even send me in the car to the bus stop. Which is many miles away. I said, fine, praise the Lord. <laughs> so I had to take a bus to go to that main bus terminus. I didn't know my way around there and I got into the wrong bus. Well, praise the Lord, there must be some reason. And that bus had a puncture and I had to get into another bus. Praise the Lord. I did praise the Lord, even there. I, did, I was determined, I am not going to complain. And then they said, I'm, the conductor said, you've got to get into this bus, you go to the other place. So I took this bus and went to another place where I changed the bus. And there I was waiting for the other bus and I, the other bus came and I got in and that was jam-packed. And I stood there and lo and behold, in front of me there was a young brother. And he was just coming from this huge convention where he had heard me speak for two days. And we had wonderful fellowship, just about five, ten minutes. But that, was the resu that resulted in a permanent relationship the value of which I have seen more in the last seven or eight months in Kerala than before. And that's Brother Joseph Matthew. I mean the responsibility God has given him in Kerala now for all those churches. It began way back there. I see that God does not give us comfort always nor acceptance. But I believe that if I had grumbled and complained, and today I'm very thankful that those fellows didn't give me that car. 
think what I'd have missed if I'd they'd taken me in the car. I'm very thankful for that bus that I got into the wrong bus. I'm very thankful that I missed the right way. And uh, God doesn't always give us comfort. He never gave His Son, Jesus, comfort. He never gave Paul comfort. There were times when Paul was hungry. There were times when Paul shivered in the cold. And he says that in 2 Corinthians 11. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Please bring that blanket which I left behind there. I forgot to bring it with me here. I'm shivering in this Roman dungeon. I, I don't have the money to buy another one. Please bring it. Who is this? This is the greatest apostle that the world has ever seen. Does God treat his greatest servants like that? See, God is not like some multinational corporation that gives all types of perks to CEOs and to the managing directors. Because he's interested in developing character. And sometimes character can only develop can be developed only through struggle and poverty and difficulty and trial. You've seen how children who have grown up in homes where there's, they have to work, they have to struggle, they, have to, they don't have everything that uh, other children have. Such children develop character. And all the other children who get everything from day one, all the wealth and comforts of the world, they don't develop character. They're spoiled. And even the world recognizes that. I remember once seeing uh, a believer, who, a young person who told me that, um, it was a young sister who told me that in all her life she had never walked to any place. She had always gone in a car. Would you like to live like that? I don't want my children to grow up like that. They're spoiled. They're spoiled for this world. They're certainly spoiled for any ministry for the Lord. Learn to be content, my brothers and sisters. God has not made a mistake in the boundaries of your habitation. God has not made a mistake in the time period in which you lived. Like I said, one mark of being content is that you will not complain. What's the opposite of complaining? The opposite of complaining is being thankful. Complaining comes from our mouth. Thankfulness comes from our mouth. Contentment is in the heart. Discontentment is in the heart. When there is discontent, we complain. When we are content, the proof of that is we give thanks. What do you do when you get an unexpected promotion in your job? Or an unexpected 500 rupee bonus in your increment in your salary or an unexpected 10,000 rupee bonus. What do you do? You give thanks. The true disciple of Jesus gives thanks even if he's lost 500 rupees per month salary. That's the difference between the disciple of Jesus and any worldly person. Any stupid, unconverted, godless worldly person can give thanks when he gets some benefit. It's only a godly disciple of Jesus who can give thanks even when there's loss. So you, your spirituality is not tested when you gain. When you gain, we can't find out whether you're different from other people. It's when you lose that you find out whether you're a disciple of Jesus or not. If you have plenty of money, <clears throat> well, we don't know how much character there is in you. Because your thankfulness and your, even your helpfulness and your kindness to other people and even your giving money <clears throat> to the poor or for God's work. I don't think that's good. It's a very good thing, but I don't think it's all that great because there are a lot of other people in the world who also are equally rich as you are, who also give. They give to their temples. There are businessmen who build huge temples. I mean, none of us have built a church building by ourselves. There are businessmen who built whole temples mosques with their money. So that doesn't prove anything because they got plenty. It's when that widow gave two mites that Jesus appreciated and said, that's really amazing. So when we have plenty, 
your giving for God's work and to the poor is good. I'm not depreciating it. I think, uh, you know, through the years, we have been able to have so many conferences here. One conference in Bangalore costs one lakh, approximately. And through the years, we have been able to have conferences without ever taking an offering in 27 years. Because certain brothers who are well off have given. So I'm not despising it at all. All I'm saying is, that does not test whether you are content. That's what I'm saying. Contentment is tested when you don't have and you give thanks. Sacrifice is tested when you don't have much and you give for the Lord's work. So, to give thanks in all circumstances is one of the primary marks that you are con- evidences that you are content. And that's why always giving thanks for everything is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Always, verse 20, always, that means at all times, giving thanks for all things, that means all circumstances, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Who can do this? Verse 18, only one who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To always give thanks for all things. Speaking in tongues is one way of giving thanks. But you can give thanks in English or Tamil or Malayalam or Telugu or any language, Kannada. Um, But the principle is always giving thanks. That is what should happen when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You come into a life where you always give thanks for all things. In other words, you come into a life of contentment. You don't compare your lot with anybody else's Except perhaps those who are worse off than you. If your children are not very clever, if they come last in the class, okay, if you want to compare yourself, children, compare your children with those who are retarded, who can't even go to school. And give thanks. Give thanks not only because you are better off than other people. That's a poor way of giving thanks, but that's a good place to begin. But you give thanks because God has determined Exactly how you should be, your children, your family, your circumstances. And I believe we must teach our children also to be thankful for their circumstances. To tell them when they want something, I'm sorry, I can't buy that for you. I know that that brother can buy that for his children, but God has not arranged our circumstances in that way. We're not jealous. We are very glad that that brother can buy that for his children but you see I'm sorry my son my daughter I can't buy that for you God is in his great wisdom allowed our circumstances to be different because he wants to do something different with us we are special every family is special that family is special God deals with them in one way we are special to God so God deals with us in another way think if you can teach your children that That's the greatest thing you can teach your children. That they never compare themselves with others. That they don't come to the meeting and see what type of shoes that girl is wearing or that boy is wearing and come back and say, I want that. And then you don't know what to do because you can't afford that money. Tell them. The greatest thing is not to have shoes of that type or that make. The greatest thing is to have contentment. And if you don't learn contentment, What's the use? So, little, little things like this. See, you are not as spiritual. Some of you young people may think you are very spiritual. But if you are always coveting somebody else's shoes and somebody else's type of clothes, I want to tell you to your face, you are not as spiritual as you think. And I think I have to say that to a lot of people. My dear brother and sister, You are not as spiritual as you think you are. I am sorry to disappoint you this morning. Nice morning, but sorry to disappoint you with that message and send you home. But it's the truth. You are not as spiritual as you think you are. 
You better face up to it. It's like a doctor saying, uh, well, my friend, you're not as healthy as you appear. Your blood report shows you're not as healthy as you thought you were. You better do something about it. You better change your lifestyle. You listen to a doctor. Can't you listen to me this morning? You are not as spiritual as you think you are. You are not as spiritual as you look. No. Do something about it. Change your lifestyle. Like the doctor says, don't eat all that stuff. It's not good for your health. I'd say, don't read all that stuff. <laughs> Today we eat with our eyes and our ears. Through books and televisions and movies, I'd say, don't eat all that stuff. It's not good for you. Change your lifestyle. Because you're not as healthy as you think you are. You're not so healthy and on top of that you eat all that stuff with your eyes. Ooh, what will happen to you? You'll die before your time. I'm just telling you exactly what doctors tell people every day. Learn to give thanks for all things. Be happy with the circumstances God has arranged for you. With the income that your father receives. Which limits him in how much he can buy for you. Don't make life miserable for your parents by saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. Like a spoiled child. And come to the meeting and say, oh, how I love Jesus. It's a lot of garbage. If you love Jesus, love Jesus at home. And don't pester your parents for this, that and the other which they, you see somebody else has. Sing it at home. Oh, how I love Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, this is one of the great secrets of the Christian life. To learn to be content. I want to say one more thing before I finish and that is in Colossians in chapter 3 it says in verse 11 that there are all types of people in the body of Christ. There are Greeks and Jews totally different views on religious matters. There are circumcised and uncircumcised. The barbarians Barbarians are the really wild people. You know, no manners, no civilization. And the Scythians are worse than them. <laughs> Just in case you thought barbarians are bad. So you have Greeks and barbarians and Scythians. Boy. Slaves and free men. But Christ is all. And, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body with all this funny bunch of people. And it says here, be thankful for all of them. You get it? Okay. As you look around in this church, you see some Greeks. And some barbarians. And you thought they were bad till you see the Scythians. And say, God has chosen them all. And I'll tell you this, if you have not learned to be thankful for the brothers and sisters God has placed you with in a local church, you're not going to go very far in your spiritual growth. God has determined the boundaries of your habitation. He allowed you either to be born here in Bangalore, in this particular area, or to get a job here. Whatever the way may be today, your address is Bangalore. Your PIN code is 5600, whatever it is. Okay, that God determined that. And God determined that you should be in this church. You should come here, you should hear the word. Are you happy here? Are you happy with the Greeks and the barbarians and the Scythians and the uncircumcised and the circumcised people with different views says be thankful are you thankful for the place where God has placed you or are you always sitting here complaining you've got something against this brother something against that sister something against this person are you always wishing you were somewhere else that's why I said in the beginning, you are not as spiritual as you think you are. The scan report says something else. If you have 
learn to be thankful in this church. Maybe God will do something for you. But if you are not thankful for somebody here, somebody rubs you the wrong way, somebody is not up to your expectations. Some preacher does not preach up to your expectations. You are not thankful. Brother, you should go to some other church and see what it's like over there. You'll come running back and say, okay, okay, this is enough for me. How quickly we complain. Be thankful. Be thankful, brother, sister, for the body of Jesus Christ, the local body of Jesus Christ where God who determined your present boundaries has placed you. Maybe one day he'll take you somewhere else. That's fine. But you'll never be a blessing anywhere if you're not going to be a blessing here. There are people who say, if I get a fully this place where I work, I can't be a Christian. If fully get a job there, I be can be a disciple of Jesus. No. If you can't be a disciple where you are, you won't be a disciple there also. Be content. Now, if you find your job uncomfortable, okay. The Bible says if you're a slave and you can get freedom, get freedom. But if you can't get freedom, learn to be thankful where you are. 1 Corinthians 7. And if you're not happy in a church, go and find another church where you are happy. But don't complain. No. That is never permitted by God. God does permit you to leave a church and join another church. To leave an office, get a job in another office. But never to complain. The one thing He doesn't permit you to leave is your wife and husband. Sorry, you're stuck with that for life. Just learn to give thanks with whomever God's given you. But church, house, you're not happy with one house... Move to another house, no problem. Office, you're not happy one job, move to another job. But wherever you are, once you finally decided on the perfect house and the perfect job and the perfect church, be happy. But don't complain. Don't complain. Just by the way, you won't find the perfect church or the perfect house or the perfect job. That's sort of P.S. I write at the bottom. But if you learn to be thankful, that will become the perfect place for you. That's what I've discovered. Learn to be content. Let's pray. Let's make sure that what we heard today is not just a pep talk or a brief message that we forget in a few days. Let's actively do something about the lack of thankfulness, the ingratitude, the lack of appreciation for all the good that you've received, whether it's from the church or from your wife or your husband or a brother or sister or anyone. Learn to be grateful. Be content. All lack of contentment is due to pride, which makes you feel you deserve much more than you have. Let's acknowledge, Lord, I discovered today I'm not as spiritual as I thought I was. But I want to be. I want to be a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. Please help me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a genuine, a genuine baptism in fire and the Holy Spirit. A genuine baptism in fire. That's the only solution. It's not a change of thinking or positive thinking or any of that rubbish. It's a baptism in fire. Pray for that and don't give up till God baptizes you in fire and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to honor you in our daily life to please you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are invited to visit our website on the internet at www.cfcindia.com That is www.cfcindia.com and at punan.org forward slash Zach that is P-O-O-N-E-N dot O-R-G forward slash 
ZAC for video messages, audio messages and books by Zach Poonen that can all be downloaded freely. Our mailing address is Christian Fellowship Center 40 DeCosta Square Bangalore 560-084 India If you would like to receive a weekly message by Zach Punin by email please send us your email address to cfclit at touchtelindia.net that is cfclit at T-O-U-C-H-T-E-L-I-N-D-I-A dot net The Lord bless you richly.